Evolutionary.org presents Evolutionary Hardcore Podcast with your co-hosts, Steve from the American Underground and Mobster from the UK Iron Den. Get ready for the most hardcore and underground info in the industry. And here we go. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6. Good morning, everyone. Evolutionary.org. Hardcore podcast coming your way. Number 112. This time we're going to do Bolo Young. I'm here, Steve Smee, and the mobster joining me. What's up, buddy? All the way from sunny, looks out the window, sees the rain, wows. Yay! Yeah, we're almost to that season where it gets it gets uh, dreary over there in your neck of the woods. I'm, I'm, I'm desperately holding off putting the heat in any, any day now. Yes, sir. All right, guys. So this is going to be a fun one. This is kind of a follow-up to the Bruce Lee one we did. We're going to talk a little about, about Bolo Young, talk about his relationship with Bruce Lee, talk about his history. Um, he actually did a lot more movies than Bruce Lee. Um, and uh, you may not know much about this guy, but you would recognize him if you saw his picture. So he's he didn't become as popular as Bruce Lee, but he was very, very important throughout martial arts history when it comes to movie making. And he's still alive. So he is alive and well right now. He's in the 70s. Right now he's 74 years old as of this podcast. And uh, so he's still going. So we're going to talk about his history. We're going to talk about did he use steroids, what we think he used in terms of his performance enhancing drugs. We're going to talk about all that stuff. So who is he? Um, His real name, Yang Zay. Apologize if I'm uh, mispronouncing that. And he is a Chinese, born in China, former competitive bodybuilder, martial artist, martial arts film actor. You may have seen him in, uh, may recognize him from Enter the Dragon. He was the bad guy at the end. He came on, he fought the good guys, um, the character Roper in the movie Enter the Dragon. Um, He was basically so much bigger than the other people in that scene. And... He stood next to Bruce Lee before the final fight scene with with Roper. Not the final scene, but the final scene that he was alive. Uh, Roper got the best of him. But he stood next to Bruce Lee, and he was a monster compared to Bruce Lee. So you guys could check that out. Uh, If you go in and you put in Bolo Young on YouTube, and then you can watch that video, we'll link it. You guys, um, those of us listening to us through Evo or iTunes, you'll have access to those links. So who is this guy? Um, he became he began his martial arts training at 10 years old um, in China. He trained under several kung fu masters. He also was into bodybuilding, and he became Mr. Hong Kong bodybuilding champion. And you can see from his physique, he doesn't have that Bruce Lee physique. He's big, and he's strong. Okay, he's got a lot of size to him. He's got a lot of mass. So completely different physique. So you could tell he's got that background in powerlifting and bodybuilding. He actually held the title for 10 years of Mr. Hong Kong. And he was chosen based on his physique to play the bad guys in movies. So you could see him in Enter the Dragon as a bad guy. You could see him in other movies as uh, like the heroic ones, angry guests many, many others um, in the late 60s, early 70s, and he played those bad guys in those particular movies. Um, Bruce Lee met 
Young, when they did a commercial for a cigarette company and they filmed that uh, uh, commercial together. That's kind of funny that they did do a cigarette commercial together. That's, that's hilarious. Um, and they actually built a friendship from that. So they were dear friends, even though they were enemies in the movies, you know, it's just like the wrestling, you know, WWE, you got enemies and then you find out that they're, going on vacation together with their wives. And you're like, oh my gosh, I thought they were enemies. We, I saw them, but no, it's, 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 you know, it's, it's a movie guys. It's a movie. So they were actually good friends in person. So I'm going to bring in mobster mobster. What, what, what did you find that about his uh, early life and his history, how he got into it? This is the thing I was saying to uh, Steve Schmee in the pre, in the pre-show. There's really not enough interviews of this fella uh, available for us to sort of use as a great reference point. And it's a, it's a damn shame. I, I didn't even bother counting, but it looks like he's done 40 movies and, and, and including up to uh, the, the, the absolute uh, breakout film for him was uh, Bloodsport with Jean-Claude Van Damme. And again, Steve is, is, is spot on. This is guy that on film, he comes across as a real badass. I think this, it, both him, I'm sure there's a scene in both Bloodsport and in, in, in Enter the Dragon, where he appears to be crushing some guy's skull off camera, and he's got this evil-looking face. He kind of he appears to be stamping down in some sort of a martial arts move, and he looks into the camera, and you feel, oh, he's a nasty, and he's all like covered in blood, and yeah, everybody wants you to, you want to leap out of your cinema seat and punch him in the face and whatever else. And yet every photograph that's off-screen, he's smiling, he's happy, he's got the hand around, the arm around the other person's shoulder, He's posing for photographs and everything, so he was having a right old time. It's just a damn shame, all things considered, when you think the amount of movies he's done, done and, and two or three really, really big movies, uh, uh, that he's not sat down, been interviewed outside of maybe the martial arts magazine. So, yeah, there's, there's some stuff. I think Steve Smith is quite correct. The um, a few quotes you can find reference Bruce Lee, and he actually says, and I'll, I'll read this from the computer screen while I'm sitting here talking to you guys. There will be never, never be another Bruce Lee. I am privileged to have the honor of calling him my friend. Now, as far as, uh, as physique, et cetera, Steve's quite correct to the point where his son is also competed. So there's, there's genetics. And Chinese, of course, are not notorious for being a big race physically. And yet, again, he looks like he's 180 pounds compared to, to Bruce Lee's 140 pounds on screen. Uh, obviously, physically, He's a big bulky guy in that particular movie in, in Enter the Dragon, but won bodybuilding competitions. His son has competed in bodybuilding competitions. So there's genetics, pure and simple, 100%. I, I, I think, as Steve said, I would have loved to have talked about this guy for an hour. And in, and in terms of everything he's done, we ought to be able to do that. But outside of the martial arts magazine, no one's taken an interest. And it's kind of a shame because... 40 plus movies, two or three huge, huge movies, uh, physically quite capable, winning, winning. I think he won some gold medals in, in, in uh, martial arts competitions, which is kind of standard for the, for the martial arts movies anyway. So you, you can carry on competing or you can be in the movies. So obviously he makes that consideration and goes over there. He's worked with the same people that Bruce did with the Shaw brothers. So all the movies that preceded Into the Dragon that uh, Bruce Lee did. We're working with the same thing, similar contracts, etc., but makes the decision to come away from competition and the gold medals and the trophies and 
adding another notch to his belt, so to speak, and get into the movies. And then again, you think that the impact, uh, martial arts movies, especially in the 70s, and to uh, some degree with Bloodsport, etc., uh, mid-80s, late-80s, is enormous. Hundreds and hundreds of millions of people out there watching this guy doing his thing, kicking ass. And be, honestly, seriously, if you were in a cinema at the time, I can remember a couple of these scenes from these movies, when you think <laughs> he's one of those guys, you want to fight him, you want, you want to get, you want to, you want to bash him up because the hero's just got me, or, or the guy that the hero's got to sort of, sort of revenge. Uh, uh, and and Bolo played that character extremely well on screen, but off screen, friendly, happy. I've seen uh, video clips of him shaking hands with fans when they come along for autograph signings and the rest of it. Yeah, so uh, definitely not the same off screen as he was on screen, but yeah. I mean, we're talking about hundreds of millions of people watching these movies. Martial arts stuff, especially the 70s and 80s, was incredibly popular. What do you think, Steve? I view, I view Bolo as, as like a bridge from Bruce Lee on because Bruce Lee is the one who got him famous because um, he, ca- he was the one who casted him. Bruce Lee casted him in Inner the Dragon and he changed his name to Bolo because of that role. That role got him so famous that he, he was a really bad guy. He was evil, bad guy. He was like Monster was saying, he's crushing people just by picking them up and just squeezing them <laughs> in the movie. And he was huge compared to everyone else in that, in that scene. He was like a beast. So his look, you know, is that big, strong look. And as a martial artist, his advantage on other people was his size, being able to outpower them. But on the flip side, can he have that endurance to be a good martial artist? And he was one of the few people who could be that size and still be blessed enough to have that strong endurance to be able to compensate for doing uh, going up against someone who's a lot leaner than him who's a lot more has a lot more ability to have a good endurance so you have to have both so as a martial artist you can't be that big and be successful unless you've also got that ability to have the endurance at the same time and that's that was his gift that was one of the things that he was able to accomplish and a lot of that has to do with his his history his base that he built as a bodybuilder as a powerlifter at a younger age and this is why i tell a lot of guys even if you want to become a bodybuilder if you want to become an mma guy if you want to become anything successful in your 40s and 50s it's a good idea when you start weight training in your teens and 20s to build a strong base build a strong base with the compound lifts the five by five lifts to stick to the eight to ten main compound lifts and that will give you a base into adulthood instead of starting out at, you know with just you know doing going to the gym and doing curls for 40 minutes like i see a lot of young guys doing so this is another example of, of of that building that strong base and then later on doing it so he's proof he's proof that it can work for you so you know and that's that's one of the cool things so he was able to piggyback that role into uh, much more success you know down the line so after that movie uh, Enter the Dragon, that was really one of his first 
big movies. He did, you know, um, some, he started really getting an industry late sixties, 1970 was his first accredited role in a movie. And then in 1972 is when he started doing Angry Guys, the 14 Amazon King Boxer. And then he started getting into more movies. Enter the Dragon was the next year. And then from there, my gosh, like Mobster was saying, you can go through. He was doing tons of movies per year, like he was a porn star or something. He was doing multiple movies a year, which is very, very hard to do. Which is hard to do. You, you got to fly different places. You got to be casted. You got to. So it's amazing. Yeah. I'm looking here, Stephen. I'm just in 1975. Six movies, seven movies. That's that's crap. That's like one 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 movie every six seven weeks. That's a, if you if you think the amount of time and effort. I mean, we're talking about physical stuff here, guys. You, 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 to do the martial arts is is a thing in and of itself. To to get up to a standard is a thing in and of itself. To do the stuff that's then required on screen with different camera angles required, especially in Chinese cinema in the seventies. With, with the way that they film movies, all of the movies were dubbed. Every single thing essentially was filmed with no sound and the sound was added on later on. So we know that in order to get the right angles, you've got to be doing certain things on the screen. Now you can use three or four cameras, but we're talking about 1970s Chinese cinema. So he's doing essentially, we, even if it's just a, a five minute thing on screen, this is days and days and days of work with other martial artists, stunt performers, even again in 1970s, when it would have been mostly martial arts and, and guys that you knew, they might have to do the same move half a dozen times just to get it right, get it done on film, get it the way that they want to get it perfectly lit. And he's, he, I'm, I'm, I, without counting 100%, I think he did six, possibly seven movies. That's one every six weeks, seven weeks. <laughs> and Christ knows what he was getting. This is a job of work here, people. Physically difficult. Uh, uh, because the martial arts on screen needs to be different, even just from the actual thing in the ring and, and, and on a mat. So that's hard work right there. I think something that Steve and I have talked about uh, via the forums as well, when we talk about fighters, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, there's this mistaken thing, um, and it completely depends on the exercise, to be fair, but there used to be a thing for many, for many years that fighters and martial arts shouldn't lift weights. And, and Steve has specifically said, and, and I'm going to agree, with the explosive stuff, with the cleans and jerks, the snatches, et cetera, et cetera, and fast, fast movements. Uh, and, and Bolo is a very good example of that genetics where he's not only, he must have that speed, he won competitions, and yet it's giving him the power. We know, uh, we discussed this in the Bruce Lee podcast, Bruce Lee trained with weights. There, will be, there are photographs of him doing isometrics. There are photographs of him doing grip, grip training with, with a wrist machine. So it's training with weights. In fact, there's, there's an argument that when he had the spinal injury, he came back after by virtue of training with weights in order to get back on the screen and then do the greatest movie that he's ever done. So this idea that you can't use weights of fighting or specific MMA or martial arts, sure, there are certain exercises that won't help you. There's no good bench pressing all day long. Uh, if you're a fighter or a boxer, there's no good curling heavy, heavy weights. But look at Bolo, look at Bruce. These, these guys were at the top to the gold, gold medal winning, award winning, championship level fighters who trained with weights. And then, and this is the thing, guys, believe you me, <laughs> if you end up doing 40 something movies, you're definitely doing something right physically. You're definitely doing something right to be on screen. You know, 
six or seven movies in 1975 alone. I'm just looking at the screen here, and, and there are dozens. There were four in 1971, another four, put five, six in 1972. This guy was working hard, and in order to do that, here's the thing again: to do that and to stay fit and to stay in shape and to be able to do that stuff is incredibly difficult on the body. And yet here he is, he's 74 years of age. I've seen uh, stuff off screen and he looks down good for 74 years of age. So th that's training, that's nutrition, that's a lifelong dedication to health and fitness. Uh, what and you, you, could, what, what, but you could argue too, Bruce Lee was more insane with everything. He was so ripped and lean. He was taking so many drugs to, yeah. to you know, keep the pain more. away. He was taking lots of, probably lots of stimulants and a lot of things, you, you know, to suppress his appetite. But Bolo, his, his diet was, was very different. He was more high calorie, you know, protein. He was then afraid to eat in moderation, he didn't eat in excess, but he didn't also starve himself the way some of these other guys did, you know, like Bruce Lee. And this kept him, this has kept him alive, I believe, in, into his 70s. Just yeah. him being like, look, I'm not going to be the leanest guy here. I'm not going to be the best martial artist. I'm not going to be the, the best martial artist with, with speed, with endurance, but I'm going to be healthy. And that was a, his, the difference with Bruce Lee and some of these other guys. Bruce Lee was like, I'm going to be the leanest. I'm going to be the quickest. I'm going to be number one. I'm going to be the best. That was the difference. I think Steve and I addressed that again in the pre-show. We were saying uh, as, as big as Bolo appears to be on screen, in reality, he was about the same height as Bruce, so 5'7", five, 5'8". Five, and if Bruce was 100 and, I believe, 140 pounds, 150-something pounds, Bolo looks to be 160, 170 with that bulk. But Here's the thing, and this is what we were saying uh, pre-show, that's not that big, not compared to today's kind of stuff. And, and something that I think we addressed in a previous podcast, and I'll address it now, there are 150, 160, 170 pounds at his height is a good height for the muscle mass, et cetera, that he's carrying. 200 plus pounds at his height would be a struggle and it becomes a stressor on the body. I, I'm, I'm six foot three and I'm well over 300 pounds at the moment. Trust me, people, I'm not going to stay this big this long. <laughs> Won't be 74 years of age and well over 300 pounds. Not less than William, you're in the chair and there's a one wheel propping up my belly. It's not going to happen. So Bolo, at 74, you could, you could argue genetics and you could argue the training that we've already said. But here's the thing. It's not gigantic. It, it was big for the time. Steve and I, we've, we've seen the same movies. We, we know what this guy looks like. And there wasn't many people out there that looked like Bolo. But where were they now? Where, where, you know, Bruce blessed, passed, passed away when the movie came out. Bolo, 74 years of age. He, he's still got some dark hair on his head that's in great there for sure. But he doesn't look an old, old man. So that the physical stress I carry into, again, this is average height, 200, 220 pounds, or Bolo, 200 pounds and i don't think he even looks that 200 pounds the screen adds that weight he looks a monster on screen he looks a the camera angles are low you're looking up it's all it's all thick traps and massive pecs but he's not really that big not big 90s big not 2000s big and definitely not 220 big we're not talking 160 170 kilo uh, instagram monsters here or 350 pound instagram monsters here we're talking 
I, I, what do you think, Steve? One, one seventy. If if Bruce was one forty, I'm going to say Bolo looks about one seventy. It's it's all in the chest. It's thick. It's definitely not lean, but you can see some shape there. But it's average height. It's five seven, five six, five seven. I, put, five, I, I have this is very similar height. Um, I'm a little maybe an inch shorter. If that's his real height, I'm about five six. And I can tell you with me, the highest I got was almost to 200. And that was um, maybe five, <laughs> six years ago. That was at my peak. And yeah, I was I was a big guy. Um, so I think I... I think he was probably like, yeah, it could be 170 to 180 area, maybe, maybe up to 185, if, you know, if he was trying to get bigger. But today, like if he was to go on a bodybuilding stage with that physique, they'd laugh at him. If he was to post the picture on the forum, you know, people would not on our forum. We don't, we don't disrespect people, but on any other bodybuilding forum out there, they'd laugh at him. They say, oh, you're, you're, you're fat. You're fat. You shouldn't be using steroids. That, that's what they would say. So, I mean, his physique compared that then to today, completely different. But if you put him up against other guys who are 120, 130 pounds, like in these movies, he looks like a monster, you know? So you're put him today uh, up against someone like the rock Dwayne Johnson, and he would look minuscule, you know, he looked like uh, nothing. So it's, I, yeah, I, it's definitely, it's interesting. Yeah. I find it fascinating, and this is probably just from the cinematographical point of view. He he was up the, the two biggest movies that he's ever done. Both the heroes are ripped. Uh, I mean, uh, John Claude Van Damme was never quite as ripped as uh, Bruce Lee, but it, when you see them on screen, John Claude comes across leaner. And again, John Claude's not a big big guy. I mean, it's fascinating for me. From I mean, I'm I'm been around in my time. Some seriously, seriously big guys. I mean, so I walk around. I'm a few years ago. I was 280, 290 pounds, and I go to strongman competitions, and I'm meeting guys that are Britain's strongest man, Europe's strongest man, whatever. And they're 350, 400 pounds. And suddenly you go from I'm I'm a big guy to oh my good grief, look how massive these guys are. So you look at Bolo, and Bolo for me in in, in 1973 when I was nine years of age, I probably saw the movie a few years later when when the Dragon came out. And, and even in, in Bloodsport, he's going to come across, you go, oh, he's a big, thick, muscular guy. In reality, he will compete as a lightweight. Uh, and functionally, and this is what I was getting at earlier on, in terms of functionality, he was incredibly functional. You can't do the stuff in the movies. You can't do that level of movies, including the numbers I've already quoted, six movies in a year. You can't win competitions off on, on, on the mat. You can't have the career that he's had, the, the, the length of time. The, you can't be his age now without being functional, without being healthy. And as I said, in reality, as a, as a competitive bodybuilder, he would have to compete at the most as a middleweight. And in fact, right now, at his absolute best, he wouldn't even make a good uh, 212. But on screen, it was a little... It, well, there's a phrase, I think one, one of the, the actors in a movie a couple of years ago, was described as a mini Hulk. And that's what Bolo looks like on screen. He looks like a mini Hulk. But for the guys, we will definitely, as we link to this uh, after the podcast, you've got to see a couple of scenes. Most of the stuff that's on YouTube is out there that we will link to is, is scenes from his movies. I think there's one which is 20 minutes long, and it's just him fighting people from different movies and whatever else. And he, he, kind of, he it shows you what they can do with the cameras because he looks like a badass. It looks like you don't, you're not going to introduce him to your mum. You're, you're not going to go out for a drink with this guy and, 
or wherever else <laughs> want to stay well away. Uh, he looks like some sort of like a, tri a, a triad nasty. I think it is one of his, his role in um, Enter the Dragon was the kind of uh, the, the bad guy who, who owns the island, the supervillain, so to speak. He's like the enforcer, the bully, uh, the, the, the policeman, if you like. Of the bad guys, and so you know you, you've got all these other guys that are supposed to be doing certain things, but they bring out both of and everybody takes half a step back. It's kind of that guy, so he comes across. It's really, really, really not. No, I'm, I'm just fascinated in think in terms of genetics and, and uh, uh, to a lesser degree eugenics, where because uh, I've seen, I think it was the world's strongest man competition some years ago in China when they had six foot plus uh, world strongest man uh, competing Chinese fella. Uh, genetically, with the the high difference in the diets that they've had in the last few years, and it's fascinating because I've looked into this stuff before. That the higher the protein diet, the the taller the race seems to get, and Chinese are actually growing in that particular way. Bolo was ahead of his time in that physically, because every single I mean maybe it was just under the movies we were watching then, but our minds then, and in terms of the overall physical stature, Chinese people are not big. Bolo was a freak. A freak for a China, Chinese fella, uh, because he looks so beefy, because he looks so muscular. Uh, as I say, if you took of actual um, in the last 10, 15, 20 years with the Western diet, which includes, I mean, it's not all good, obviously, we know Steve and I know, but we talk about these things on the forums in terms of uh, the crap and the fats and God knows, but also that come from, from, from importing Western food in, into China. Um, but the protein, does include growth and so the Chinese as a race are definitely starting to grow and you will see young Chinese men now 5'10", 5'11", 6 foot when, when the race as a whole used to be 5'4", five, 5'6", five, all the time in fact Bolo was probably right about that spot in terms of his overall height but uh, yeah I mean as, as, he's one of those guys do you think perhaps uh, for us being more from the training side Steve you've got your Bruce Lee as your martial artist, but your Bolo's kind of like who we think we really can look like without having to be super ripped, having that fixed, girthy musculature, et cetera, et cetera. I'm probably more me in terms of not what, I don't want to be super ripped or whatever else I do, you know, wave a magic one, it'd be great. But I, I, he looked powerful. He looked like he could kick your ass. Bruce Lee only looked like he could kick your ass when he took his jacket off, <laughs> when, when, when that shirt got shredded in some fight scene. Was Bolo looked like he's going to kick your ass anyway, shirt on shirt off, whatever. Bad guy, but that thick, strong, muscular look. What do you reckon? Yeah, I mean, if you look at his pictures, um, if you look at his pictures from his 60s, there's some pictures of him shirtless working out. He looks fantastic, man. You wouldn't even guess he's in his 60s. He, he looks amazing. Um, you know, he's not ripped at all. He's, he, he's probably like 17, 18% body fat, which for a guy in his mid 60s, that's fantastic. You know, that's, that's, that's fantastic. Um, and he's muscular. You could tell his traps are big. His shoulders are big. His chest is big. His arms are big. So he's got, he's got the size to him for sure. And um, yeah, I mean, yep. Let's, let's, looking, yeah, let's finish it up. Let's talk about a steroids. Like, let's finish up the thought and then we'll talk about his, uh, what we think he uses. Steroids. Very, very. There was a, there's a photograph online from 10 years ago where he's doing some sort of martial arts gala and he still looks him and pretty like he could do some serious damage on the mat and whatever else. So looking after yourself, guys, it's a long game, not a short game. Uh, training, martial arts is a great way of staying, staying fit. Just don't let them hit you and, and, you're, and you're golden. Yeah, let's, let's go on to steroids, as you say, Steve. And 
uh, address that. And, and then again, with something from martial arts and MMA, which we talked about before, what the guys of today can do. Well, speculate, guys. You know, we like to have fun. We like to speculate on what he would have done based on that era, based on his physique and everything. So, you know, we think he was on D-Bowl, a few D-Bowls a day, maybe up to 50 milligrams a day of D-Bowl for, for a couple of weeks. Anadrol was one I thought of when this, when this uh, the producers first sent me this about Bolo Young. The first thing I thought of was probably Anadrol because Anadrol is one of those that make you, you know, even though it doesn't aromatize into estrogen, it still binds to estrogen receptors. So it gives you that size. It gives you that strength. It gives you that big bulky look. That's the first thing I thought with him. Anadrol. Wouldn't that be make sense? So, you know, we think maybe six weeks of Anadrol. He threw in some D-Ball for a couple weeks here and there. And then Deca. Deca in the 70s was big, big, big. Guys love Deca in the 70s. Because Deca, especially in Asia, Mobster, they didn't use testosterone as a base like, like Americans do started doing in the 90s and 2000s. Um, in Asia, that's unheard of to use testosterone. Um, even today, they don't really use testosterone as their base. So, 500 600 milligrams of deca and that could have gave them that, that size and that strength and that that big look and the nice thing about deca it's not a nasty nasty steroid like some of these others like trend or something we didn't they didn't use trend in the 70s but you know it's not a nasty steroid like some other steroids that's going to aromatize like crazy um it has some aromatization but it's not going to give you those nasty side effects, those androgenic side effects. It's a mild steroid. So it'll give you a good mood. It's going to give you, you know, good quality gains over time, keepable gains. And then, you know, um, fast forwarding to today, what would a martial artist use? You know, probably some SARMs here and there, maybe some S4, some GW here and there, some Austerine, good for your joints. But fast forward to today. So, you know, that's what he, he could have used, um, we think. And then, you know, some liver support, obviously, is a, is a good idea. Maybe some N2-GAR thrown in uh, today for that for that cycle. So, you know, that's probably what he would use. And then you obviously today want to use an AI, some aromacin, 25 milligrams, you know, maybe uh, 25 milligrams every other day, every day, every third day, just whatever to help balance your estrogen. So that's what we probably assumed he he would have used back then. That's that's what we can speculate what he used back then and how they would use a similar cycle today for that size. So, but guys, today we'll never use Deca. Oh, Deca, we can't look like the way Bolo looked. We can't look like that. We gotta be aesthetic. We gotta look like a Zizzy. We gotta be. We gotta have an eight pack year round. We gotta have that beach body. So, it's different. Things have changed a lot. One thing I was gonna was well, two things I was gonna say. One one was that people, we we would uh, in terms of advising uh, fighters, MMA guys, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera, there's two considerations here. Uh, free free if you say right. So most of the fighters that we see on screen in in, in both sporting and in the movies and whatever else, they're not big guys. So they have to work to a weight class. So you don't want now bulking drugs in the way that we 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 suspect. Or, or, or we infer that perhaps Bolo might have tried in the past because he was a big bulky guy. Um, so if you're if you're fighting to a weight category, you need to stay within that weight category. So you keep that in mind. Number number two, Psalms. We recommend Psalms because of the milder effects. And again, this is more of a, a weight category type thing. If you are a Chinese 
martial artist. You're not going to be a giant physical guy. So Decker, for example, that we suggested earlier, I'm great for masking pain. If you're fighting, there's going to be some sort of pain there, whether it's in terms of competition and recovery or whether it's in terms of preparing for a competition and, and a training that you're doing. You're hitting stuff, guys. You're paying them on your joints, you're paying them on your elbows. You're using those elbows and those joints and knees, et cetera, to hit stuff. So there's a pain issue here. The thing that I was also going to say, and this is quite important, really, we get a lot. And I mean, when, when you consider uh, the amount of bodybuilders and people that want to be ripped and in shape, et cetera, that come onto the forums, we get a surprisingly large number of people that are fighting or are considering fighting competitively. And some, if, they, if what they're claiming is correct, are low-level professional MMA guys. And so one of the issues that's come up in the last couple of years, and this includes Psalms, is drug testing. Now, I'm not going to fucking sugarcoat this stuff. Some of these guys, not on our forum, but some of the top-level guys are getting caught, and they're getting two, caught two years after sample A has been taken out and they've retested sample A and they've, or they've gone to sample B as per the uh, normal drug testing protocol. And this includes for SARMs. So if you are a high level or, or com competing and trying to become a, a high level fighter in all of the, the fighting sports, bear that in mind. Make sure who you are fighting with, what they test for, make sure you are well informed, if there's a term of the amount of time that you can have off before test, do so. Don't over-rely on your condition based on your PED use. Put the fucking work in, guys. Don't compensate for being lazy. We've seen this in a lot, especially toward the middle and end of uh, certain boxing careers where guys would get into shape because they got so out of shape in between fights. So put the work in. I, I, I can't understand... And I say this as a guy who's probably coming towards the end of his lifting career, et cetera, et cetera, and times I'll be doing competitions, maybe one or two left under my belt, maybe. I can't understand the mentality of getting into this fantastic shape, being aggressive, getting into the octagon, getting into the ring, getting on the mat, kicking motherfucking ass, and then getting really badly out of shape, and then having to lose all that weight, get all the condition back. There's always going to be a certain peaking for a competition that comes with the territory but because you can't stay in mega, mega shape all the time. But don't get so out of shape that you have to use loads and loads of drugs. And especially if your career, if your pension, what's if your 411 is based on the amount of money that you're making in the ring, then don't get caught by using loads of drugs to get into shape, et cetera, et cetera. And make sure you're well aware of how things are tested for. Keep under the radar. Use the least amount you can. But as Steve said, I, I would 100%. The drugs that we have talked about, those are the ones that we know that fighters use. And those are the ones that we would suggest to fighters that don't have the, the, the issues that we've described already because they work for what they, we're doing. You don't need lots of bulking steroids. I, I, would, <laughs> I would hate to be a fighter taking bulking steroids. The, the VAR pumps would be god awful for fighting. Can you imagine? Anadrol and Debol, that extra water weight for a fighter is just, it, it looked like that's what we think Bolo was using. But your lean, your kicking ass, not so much. That is yeah, true. and let's let's fast forward. You know, we, we talked about his training, his diet, what we think he used for steroids. Let's fast forward to today. 
Uh, Bolo was a, was was kind of outspoken when um, a couple a year or two ago the movie Once Upon a Time uh, in Hollywood came out, and it was a scene, and I, we talked about it on our prior podcast when we discussed Bruce Lee, but there was a scene where um, you know uh, that movie took place back then, you know, and it kind of featured the Bruce Lee and he fought um, the Brad Pitt's character in a little scene. They were filming a movie, whatever. And Brad Pitt kind of challenged him to, to a fight at two out of three. Let's see who will win. And then, um, you know, Brad Pitt threw him into a car and the lady got mad because he destroyed the car. It's a, it's a funny scene, but Quentin Tarantino, you know, wrote and directed the movie. He, he likes to use history and kind of, you know, mess around with history to, to, to do kind of stuff. So a lot of people got upset because they thought that Bruce Lee came off as arrogant and preachy and all this stuff in that scene. And Bruce Lee would never have done something like that. So and Bolo Yan was one of the guys who, who came out because he knew him personally. And he said that, you know, that's not how Bruce Lee was, blah, blah, blah. So, you know, we wanted to throw that in. That was kind of interesting. If you have not got a chance to watch Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, it's a very it's a very interesting movie. Quentin Tarantino is one of the most brilliant writers and directors in Hollywood. So it's, it's, it's worth seeing for that reason. But again, you know, I, I don't see what the big deal was, but a lot of people got offended, uh, you know, by that scene, including Bolo. So, but I personally, I don't see what the big deal was because he's, you know, Quentin Tarantino has made all kinds of movies. He's made uh, movies about world war two, about um, the civil war slash slavery. He's, he's on all kinds of movies like that. And it's, it's fiction. You know, he kind of takes history and kind of twists it around to make it into like a, a funny, you know, dramatic type of movie. So, you know, so I don't think it was, it, it was a big deal personally. So, but uh, yeah, mobster, let's kind of finish out. Let's talk about martial arts today. We have about five, five minutes left. Um, so I, I kind of think, you know, martial arts is an outsider. Okay. As an outsider, who's, who's viewed martial arts. I look at it three different ways. You have martial arts that's spiritual, like the karate kid, Mr. Miyagi type. It's spiritual. It's something you only do for defense. It's something you would never do to win a medal or make money off of. It's spiritual. It's something you do to relieve stress, to balance your mind, etc. There's a second type of bodybuild uh, of martial arts, which is movies. You know, you do the movies, you do martial arts. It's it's fake. Are they really fighting? Some of the stunt people do the stunts for you. You know, like in Bruce Lee's case, you know, he was actually doing the fighting. He was actually making a little bit of content. He wasn't purposely trying to make contact, but he would get injured in the process. That's that type of martial arts. And the third martial arts is what we see dominated today, which is disgusting to me in that it is you're putting two guys in a cage and paying them tons of money. These guys make millions of dollars. Uh, doing martial arts and in a cage and and on pay-per-view or on you know whatever and to me that's it's disgusting to me it's nothing to do with spirituality it's nothing to do with this with the true sport and i'll let you in mobster in a second but it's, it's disgusting and it's not inclusive to someone like me someone like me if i was you know if karate kid came out when i was like a teenager or in my 20s it came out when i was really young i wasn't i was still um karate kid came out i was like five or six years old but if karate kid would have came out when i was a teenager i would have gotten into more martial arts for the spiritual value the mr miyagi value mr miyagi was against marsh doing karate unless it was for defense only he would always say it's for defense only it's spiritual 
So that's what it was for. It wasn't for winning a medal. It wasn't for going in a cage and making millions of dollars. So martial arts is disgusting to me. It's not inclusive. You got someone, a clown like Dana White running the UFC. He's a clown. He's not inclusive. He's got his own little, he's a multimillionaire living in a 20 um, bedroom mansion. You know, he's, he's a, he's a, he's a tool. He's a tool. He's a douchebag. So it's not inclusive to me. So if we can get back martial arts the way it used to be, I would love to do, do martial arts, man. I would love to actually do martial arts because it's not about getting in a cage and beating the crap out of someone and getting a paycheck afterwards. That's not what martial arts is all about. That's all I'll say on it. Um, Mobster, um, what do you, what do you have to say? You can finish up. I, I'm going to say a couple of things. It's been, I, I, I did a very, very brief uh, stint of uh, Taekwondo way, way back in the day. Uh, in, in my early 20s but unfortunately I was doing a million other things all at the same time and doing the typical stuff that you do when you're in your 20s you know running run, burning the candle at both ends and running ragged etc etc and it was all a little bit too much with the jogging and the training and, and the physical work that I was doing so I knocked it on the head however uh, all, all martial arts like to play on the idea of spirituality and mystique etc etc and to be perfectly honest I think now that we're in 2020 we could turn around and say that's probably 99% bullshit what we do see from all the fighting arts, whether they're martial arts, whether it's boxing, in the octagon or whatever else is, is, is and, and we can argue the same thing with weights because it's exercise, et cetera, but let's just suggest the fighting part specifically, is a sense of discipline. There are two things that kind of fact, or two groups of people who kind of go into fighting. One is the guy that needs to defend himself. He's get, sick and tired of getting beaten up. Uh, if he goes out and he has a fight, he's always losing. And he's the guy, he ends up going down to the boxing club or wherever and, and learning how to fight. The other guy, funny enough, is, and I've got quite a few buddies like this, it's, it's, it's interesting for me, not, not necessarily the biggest guys, but aggressive as fuck, especially when they were, they were younger, drinking, doing drugs, and getting into a lot of fights, and an, an incredible amount of times being stopped if they were very lucky by the local police officer, cut around a hero, but sometimes arrested, sometimes charged, sometimes on a rare occasion, found guilty, jail time, punishment, whatever else. And perversely, these guys end up benefiting the most from the discipline because you have to fight in a specific way. You have you can only fight when you've got gloves on. You can only fight with three minutes with a bell, with a referee. You can only fight if it's down a dojo when, when you've learned the car, when you've done all these other things. And and, and I can think of that one. My the guy that's done some building work here ended up being one of the, the, the more. I think there was a group of five guys. <coughs> the other four became. British national and international champions and he was the one that should have maybe gone forward but he was probably the most aggressive he was the one that was out there fighting and, and getting into to, uh, stuff, stuff that he shouldn't have been doing and very nearly went to jail and boxing was a great saving grace you have to take over Steve two seconds fella sorry yeah so um, yeah let me let me just say guys um, at, at the end of the day with me, I a few years ago, I actually had some nerve damage going on uh, in my arms. My 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 pinky was numb. My 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 ring finger was numb. Was numb enough. So my my elbow, I had some nerve and, and issues. There was some blocking in my forearms. That's from years of weight training, guys. And for me, you know what I found uh, online? I found Tai Chi, and I never done Tai Chi before. Never heard of it. So I actually, when I go work out after I was done with my workout, mobster. I'd actually do five, 10 minutes of Tai Chi um, using some two, three, five pound weights has kind of given me a, a, a little bit of 
doing some plate techniques, you know, moving my arms around, getting that mobility back into my elbows and my shoulders. And that's what Tai Chi helped me with. And I credit Tai Chi um, for helping reverse that nerve issue. So there is some great benefits to martial arts. Um, so it's not just about, like I said, I'm just pounding someone in a cage and, and, and walking away from the paycheck. There's benefits to everybody doing martial arts. Very quickly, and I know there's something specific to Steve because he's a bit of, a, of a, an expert on this. I was actually going to say one of the incredible benefits in preparing to fight with the martial arts is the stretching and flexibility. And Steve, you're a huge uh, proponent of uh, yoga. Now, that's not a martial art, but the movements, the flexibility, the, the um, ability to warm it up, getting into certain positions that we see the martial artists doing, Yoga, there's the carryover there. There's, there's lots of similarities. And, of course, that's spirituality at the higher levels. You're, you're a huge proponent of the, the hot yoga. Tell, tell our listeners a little tiny bit about that before we go. Yeah, so when you weight train, guys, you compress everything in your body. Everything gets compressed. Everything gets squeezed together. And when you do hot yoga, it decompresses everything. It also adds fluid to your joints. When you weight train, you're reducing fluid in your joints, you're reducing mobility. So if you're not over time, you're building muscle, right? It's getting those muscles are growing, those muscles are growing, you're reducing mobility, you're reducing flexibility. So a really common injury with weightlifters is rotator cuff issues. That's because our shoulders get worked out when we do our upper bodies. Also our hips take a beating and in our other joints, our elbows, our knees, of course. So the hot yoga decompresses. So in martial arts, obviously, if you're not flexible in martial arts, you're done. You're done. You're not even going to be able to any professional sport too. If you're not flexible, like if you see NFL players, they can, they, these guys can do splits. Kai Green who's a bodybuilder. He can do splits. I mean, these guys are amazingly flexible. They've been stretching their whole lives since they were little kids. So if you haven't been stretching, um, you didn't grow up playing sports where you would stretch in sports and stuff. You really have to improve your flexibility. My flexibility has been poor my whole life. I didn't really start stretching um, until I got older. Um, I started doing yoga when I was like 20, 21, but I didn't really do it enough. But now as I've gotten older, I've had to basically play catch up. So you guys in your 20s and late teens who are listening to this, please start stretching from a, from a young age. And keep stretching and keep mobility exercises going through your weightlifting or, you know, everything will, will, will be screwed. And if you want to get into martial arts, you must be flexible because if you're not flexible in martial arts, you don't stand a chance. It's going to be impossible. This will be, this will be a takeaway message from the both of us that staying limber, staying flexible, keep, keep moving is going to lengthen your career, whether you're a weightlifter, it's going to lengthen your career, whether you're a fighter, it's going to lengthen... We think, if Bolo is a good example of this, your lifespan, because you'll be healthy, you'll be able to move. I'm, I'm getting to that point where I'm so damn big. I, I was doing some, I was doing some row, a rowing movement at the gym this morning, and my right hamstring cramped up, and I actually thought, I know, I've got a crazy accident. When I got off the machine, my foot was dragging behind me until I realized my muscles had gone into spasm. So trust me, guys, I need to do more flexibility. And we can see on screen, we'll... we'll, we'll the, the links to some of these videos that we're going to put up for you just how limber these guys are so our takeaway thing for the day is going to be watch what the martial artists do the, the length of time the, 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 the your age the life extension but from being 
limber, from being flexible, from having doing this stuff. All, don't wait until you get to a certain age, like Steve said earlier on. Don't wait like me this morning, <coughs> muscles in spasm. Do this stuff now. Don't go crazy, but keep this stuff in your uh, exercise protocol. It, you're doing all these other things with nutrition. You're studying PEDs. Learn to be flexible. It's actually going to add to your quality of life. More so when you get older, it's going to help with the stopping injuries and everything. So yeah, that'd be our takeaway uh, tip for the day. Well, the advantage of going to a yoga class versus just stretching like after a workout, the yoga class, you know, you're having someone teaching you, you're paying a fee and they're, they're helping you. They're helping teach you how to do it properly. And you're in a class setting, there's peer pressure for you to do it and there's motivation to go do it. But if you just stretch after your weight training for 10 minutes, 15 minutes, you're not going to get as much of a stretch versus just going. And in hot yoga specifically, you're in a hot room. So a lot of martial artists do, they do stretching and they do martial arts in a hot room, obviously. Um, obviously, you know, for a reason, because the heat helps loosen your muscles so you can overstretch in that room versus in a room temperature or, you know, in a cold room. So very, very important, especially even in the colder climates to find a place that does hot yoga versus regular yoga. All right, guys. So this was number 112. You'll, um, you know, this was a great podcast, guys. Um, if you haven't listened to the, bra, uh, the Bruce Lee episode, check that one out. This was 112 Bolo Young for Steve Smee and Mobsta. We will talk to you guys next week with another celebrity. And keep the, uh, keep the suggestions coming, guys. We'd love to hear from you guys. All right, guys. Take care. Take care, Mobsta.